A bead of sweat slowly rolled down John's temple as he expertly rolled his <laughs> around. <laughs> a grunt of exertion pushed past his full lips, which turned up in a smile of satisfaction at a job well done. Perfect every time, he murmured. So, Nicole. Yes, Bim. <laughs> All right. What kind of church curling response was that? <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor. <laughs> Oh man, I have got sweat under my boobs on my shirt. Listen, you know, do you know it's June? It's fucking June. Like, we came indoors when it was still springtime, right? And then you know, even in May, there were still some brisk days, right? Yeah. And then summer arrived and sat its bottom down and said, "No, I'm here now." So sweat (laughs) is everywhere in every possible part of my body that has a fold. The sweat has accumulated. Uh, making everything a damp adventure um, <laughs> out in the world, just moderately steaming at any given point in time, which, you know, it's all right. It's not the best place to be in. No, but, you know, at least we are inside and we don't have to subject too many people to our steamy funks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. That's the name of the episode right there. Steamy funk. Um Listen, Nicole, we came back only last week (laughs) and already things are ridiculously nasty uh, already. But this week we have a first object that has been kind of like on the periphery of our lists every time we think about making the show like "Mm, who do we want to talk about this week this guy has been on there for a hot minute yeah we've kept him on the list for quite a while um and we kept going back and forth about when we would actually talk about him because you know sometimes it's just a scheduling thing sometimes it's like "Mm, i'm not really feeling like talking about this person uh today Mm -hmm. it's not personal it's just you know it's more about our mood and our vibe Right. And and for me also, there was a bit of a mild um, reticence because of the nature of my introduction to this person. Um, It kind of felt a little bit like, "Eh, I don't know if it's a full fancy. Um, So in a way, this is a really solid way for us to talk about how thirst can evolve, actually. Um, And I'm happy to uh, have been brought round to the light (laughs) side. And you'll see what the meaning of that is, because, Nicole, you're going to reveal who our thirst object for this week is. Our thirst object this week is uh, young tender John Boyega. (laughs) You know what? Get the fuck out. I hate that you said young tender. Every time you say it in real life, I want to reach across and smack you on the arm. And you drop that on me without any warning. And I hate that you said that. (laughs) Can I just put that on the table and make it clear? Young tender is horrifying. (laughs) But I mean, that's what he is. He's not quite 30. You know, no, but no, he's, he's not, you know, he's in his late 20s, but he's just not 30 yet. Uh-huh. You know, and so he's still, you know. Still What's that hand motion you're doing right now? <laughs> like you're putting, like you're putting a dry rub on some steak. Yes. What is that? That's exactly <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> I was actually, yes, in my mind, rubbing the piece of steak that is John Boyega with a wow. nice spicy <laughs> dry rub. You know what? I'm I'm slightly offended, but the Nigerian in me is kind of like, you're right to make it spicy. Well done. Yeah, thanks for that. 
Um, so yes, first buckets, get ready. We are going on uh, an adventure known as John Boyega. So Nicole, you were the first person uh, in our shared document of first objects <laughs> to write down John Boyega. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I kind of took a couple of steps back and I was like, mm, I don't know. Can you explain to me what it is about John Boyega that made you want to put him on the list in the first place of people to discuss on the show? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Take an academic sip and begin. <clears throat> uh, he strikes me as someone who is playful yet knows when to get very serious and be um, kind of protective and... Uh, he also strikes me, and I don't know why, like I haven't seen, you know, this really in anything that I, you know, that he has presented to us. Uh-huh. But he also strikes me as someone who would be um, maybe a little possessive, which I know that's not, you're not supposed to like possessive men or whatever, but I feel <laughs> like. Not casual or whatever. <laughs> um, but I feel like, you know, if we were out, uh not even like at a club, but just something where it was like a large gathering of people uh-huh. and somebody, you know, maybe tried to approach me or gave me a look, you know, a, too long of a look. Let's say that. I feel uh-huh. like John would put his hand on my waist and me mug the dude, you know, like not even <laughs> not even try to confront or like, no. you know, whatever. But just, you know, like this is my woman. And I'm I'm here for that. Like, I just need like a little display of. I want to keep what's mine. And again, I know that probably that's not very PC that, you know, we're supposed to be above that kind of thing. But no, I want a man who recognizes that he has something to lose and he's trying to Mm. see, you know, keep it with him as long as possible. And that's the difference, I think. I think what what gets construed as, you know, on PC is this thing of like somebody staking a claim, mm-hmm. right? Like you're a piece of land, mm-hmm. which first of all, nobody owns land. Um, and if only more people would uh, come around to that way of thinking, a lot of problems in the world would go away because lol, borders are bullshit. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, but to focus on the thing about John, I get what you mean about wanting someone to claim you, essentially. Mm-hmm. I want someone to know that I don't know. Maybe it's incredibly self-involved, but I'm like, yeah, that's right. I found love, motherfuckers. I found love. (laughs) (laughs) And here he is standing right next to me. And yeah, that hand on on my hip, that means something. I get what you're saying. I understand the urge. Yeah. And I, you know, Mm. I don't know necessarily if that is a part of Nigerian men's culture when it comes to expressing. There's a lot of cultural stuff that you want to know and a lot that you don't. So just (laughs) move on on, sis. Just keep walking with that one. Because I do know that Nigerian men are very proud of themselves, you know, and they're very like, uh, yeah, you know, a lot whatever. of self-confidence. Yeah. Uh, and I literally- also, that, that's also something that I like about him, that he is a very confident man. And um, he seems, he seems um, secure in learning what he needs to learn. Because again, like I mentioned up top, he is young and he knows that he's still learning and he's still picking up stuff Mm. but he is okay with admitting that uh again this is just from like social media stuff that he's Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. done or whatever but i like that also i just think he has a beautiful smile yes and i you know that boyish mischievousness um but he just seems so 
I don't know. Like he would just be a really good time that we could mm. play fight and then play fight. You know what I All mean? All right, you know what? The put your eyebrows down. Just <laughs> stop right now. Here's the thing, okay, Nicole. I didn't feel any of that when you first put his name on the list, and that's why he kept getting like pushed down mm-hmm. further because I was like, the thing is, so everybody remembers that John's debut was a movie called Attack the Block, mm-hmm. which is kind of a classic. Um, I haven't gone back to watch it in a few years, but I remember watching it at the cinema and then again and again when it was on TV, I like watching it on DVD, whatever. Like, it's a really good movie. And he has this thing that is called presence. So he plays this young guy, he lives in an estate in London, and he's kind of like leader of a sort of a motley crew of young black boys in inner city London. And it is fucking glorious. It's actually a really lovely sort of love story, um, I guess, for many of us who grew up in similar circumstances, you know, in a council block and just like the relationships that form between people of your peer group. Um, it's kind of like solid and it means something. Anyway, when I went to see that movie, I did so mostly because I love Joe Cornish, who directed it and I believe wrote it. And obviously I didn't know who John was, but my brother, my younger brother, my brother who is almost a decade younger than me, auditioned for a part in that movie and so (laughs) whenever i see attack the block whenever i think of john boyega inextricably linked to that is my younger brother who like i said is my brother and is 10 years almost 10 years younger than me Mm-hmm. And I kept thinking, if things were slightly different, what if my brother had got a role? Maybe he wasn't even playing the role that John played, but I don't know. It tied that. So in my head, John is not dissimilar to my younger brother, who I could never fancy, obviously, because this isn't Game of Thrones. <laughs> so <laughs> it's been difficult for me to let John cross over from objectively handsome man. Mm-hmm into handsome man that I can fancy Mm -hmm. because he's just tied to the idea of younger sibling. Like he's just like this cute man who I love and, you know, I want nothing but the best for him. I want him to achieve all his dreams. I want him to just reach out and embrace the world and all that jazz. But do I want him to reach in and embrace me? I don't know, man. (laughs) I don't know. So that was a problem for me. That was a problem. However, and this is the important part of the episode, my feelings have evolved. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. I'm intrigued. I want to hear more. I want to hear more. What What was the catalyst that helped, you know, those feelings change for you? I can't say it was one thing. I think it was a number of things. So a couple of years ago, uh, maybe it was actually three years ago, I interviewed John for a piece that I was writing about a movie that he was in called Detroit directed by Catherine Bigelow. Um, it, was a, it was a period crime drama um, of an event that happened in America, in Detroit. Um, it was, as we say, race-related. Um, <laughs> and it had lots of uh, officer-involved shootings. Um, but I went to a hotel, you know, how they do the press junkets, mm. and met up with him. We had, like, you know, 45 minutes of, like, rapid talk and trying to get all my questions and trying to engage the all that jazz. And by the end of it, we had a little conversation because we were both two Brits, two Nigerian Brits, two Nigerian Brits in New York. Um, and we had like a moment of like recognition of just kind of like, oh, I see you. You see me like, OK. Mm-hmm. And we ended up talking uh, for like five minutes before, you know, the publicist was like, oh, that's enough. We have another person. Get out. <laughs> <laughs> 
but while we were having this chat, I said, you know, thanks so much for the interview, blah, blah, blah. You know, purely kind of like, you know, camaraderie and just joking around. I was like, listen, mate, like, listen, I've already got you in mind and I'm writing the female character that your character is going to fall in love with for this British Nigerian uh, actor called Adelayo Adedayo, who is luminous. She's so talented and she's so beautiful and I want nothing but good things for her. Anyway, I mentioned this and John goes, oh, 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 yeah, I know Adelayo. And I was like, sure you do. Like, why wouldn't you? Clearly all black Brits know one another. Um, but he was like, oh, I know her. Oh my God, yeah, let's do it. I want to do a romantic comedy. We had like a little chat and by the end of it, I was like, mm, maybe I should cast myself in this movie. Um... And that was the beginning of me kind of like, oh, wow. Because in the interview, he is so self-possessed. Exactly what you said. He's so sure <laughs> of himself, of his identity, while also leaving room for all the things he doesn't know about the world. You know? And I feel like part of that is just like you said, it's this young, open thing of just like, well, the world is wide open. I'm just going to reach out and take mm-hmm. a bite of it. And whatever I get is what I get. And I'm just going to keep going back for more bites. And I love that sense of just like, ooh. So, yeah. So, there's that. And like I said, in the interview, listen, he was dressed very, like a classic Yoruba man. He was dressed nice. And I was like, that's half the battle. Listen, he has such a nice suit, like, profile. Oh, it's so nice to look at. He knows how to wear a suit, man. Like, objectively pleasing. He's not a yes. tall, tall man. Yes. He's solid. Like a tree. <laughs> he's like a, a good, again, this is me. I'm going like to go full Nigerian. He's, he's like, five, he's like nine, a good five, Iroko ten, tree. Eh? Yeah. Just yeah. solid. Yeah. The shit you can make like a table that lasts generations with, you know? When he came on the scene, obviously he was much younger and, Mm -hmm. you know, I really do not try to rob the cradle. No, why would you? You're a responsible adult. Yeah. And then also it's just um, people younger than 25 are just terrible conversationalists for the most part. Like I just... (laughs) In your experience? Yes. um, Except me. I was a sparkling conversationalist (laughs) at the age of 12. And I've only got better, Nicole. So there you go. Um, but as he's matured and as he's had to deal with a fan base, um, that loves and hates him, you know, Mm. um, that Mm. is holding him up to just impossible standards, basically. And ever changing impossible standards. Yes, they're constantly moving the goalposts when it comes to him. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that that has helped add to his maturity. Obviously, when you're in Hollywood, you have to grow up fast anyway, um, to a certain extent. But that, and then also, um, you know, he's gone through some physical changes where not only did he start to get a little cut, which is fine, that's whatever. But I like that he let his hair grow out and he started twisting his hair. Yes. Okay, so let's talk about that. Because (laughs) I, I mean, you know, I, I like... If you're bald, you're just fine with me. Mm-hmm. I say this all the time. Mm-hmm. You are the complete opposite. You want a, like a hank of hair that yes. you can hold on to yes. and all that jazz. Yes. I will say John is one of those ones that when he let his hair grow, I was just kind of like, oh, is it? <laughs> <laughs> because, again, I enjoy a cropped haircut. That's mm-hmm. good. It's mm-hmm. solid. Mm-hmm. It means, you know, you're, you're somebody who doesn't have time for wishy-washy hair at the nape of your neck. You're mm-hmm. busy. You're doing shit. Mm-hmm. 
when he began to let his hair grow and he began to twist it and at first i thought it was maybe like locking it i don't know what it was but it, it was long yeah and it added something to his face where again i know hair is just hair mm-hmm. but i will say that i thought it was important that a young black man was out here and wasn't doing the old whatever the clipper number is to get like you know a, a a closely a closely cut head of hair yeah and instead he was kind of like listen i'm black i get to do all sorts of shit with my hair yeah so i'm gonna do it yes and it didn't seem to be for a role where he had to play you know thug number three that goes right. to college or, or something right right or even like boho artist in brooklyn yeah it wasn't none of that it was just like i like i want to grow i want to try this it's basically he did what black women get to do every day of our lives you're kind of like you know what i fancy braids this month and you do <laughs> braids and then the next month you're like no a blunt bob <laughs> and he was like i'm gonna just grow my hair and i was like all right bro do it yeah and then he started getting like a little bit of facial hair listen you know that helped yeah he was really trying to be a grown man and i yes he said listen i've been paying taxes a while now actually (laughs) right he's like i bought my parents a house i can grow my hair out you know listen (laughs) if that's the bar (laughs) listen that that was also very hot for me i was like you're buying you're buying parents houses yes yes you buy my parents a house mom (laughs) and where was he it was it the um Notting Hill festival or something he was whining on somebody listen I was like that's, okay that's, that's carnival that's yeah carni- carnival is is magical for 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 black Londoners and uh John went out there and he had himself a time listen and he knew what he was doing <laughs> that's listen <laughs> You ever see those confused people when somebody somebody gives you a little something and you're like, mm, actually, mm, and you see it in the hand yeah, motion. Yeah. John said, I know what to do. I've been preparing for this my whole life. And then he just did what needed to be done. And I'm proud of him, to be honest. And it was that was also um, one of the times that I saw the double standard, the hypocrisy of mm. Star Wars fans. <sighs> this is, you know, they get real touchy about this stuff, but... Uh-huh. Once we saw John Boyega whining on this woman at Carnival, they were just like, you shouldn't be doing stuff like that. Children are looking up to you. This is a Disney Listen. product. You should know Listen. better. And yet, and yet, they were shipping, um, what's that boy's name? Adam Driver. Uh-huh. They were shipping Adam Driver and um, the other Daisy one. Ridley. Yes. Ray. Yes. And at the time... There was still like this idea that they were brother and sister, that they could have been like another uh, Skywalker, Luke and um, Leia situation, all this kind of stuff. They were fine shipping that and being real nasty about them and being like, it's OK if they're related. True love will, you know, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so Listen, it's like, OK, I- you can do fucking incest, but you can't do a man on his private personal time enjoying some music and a little bit of somebody backing it up on him. Listen, beyond even the world of the potential incestuous situation, this is at the time, you know, no one knew, you know, exactly who Ray was and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Adam used to start in an HBO production called Girls. Right. And he did some things in Girls as that character, who I think was also called Adam. Yeah. He did some stuff on that show that is not even... They're not even on the same page as what John was doing happily, consensually, and enjoying himself 
at carnival so like this idea of it's for children where was that energy why didn't why, why didn't that disqualify adam driver from being in star wars mm. Hmm? Mm. and to take it even further back ewan mcgregor has never been in a movie where he doesn't get his penis out why is he allowed to be in star wars then like are we really gonna pretend as though like this wasn't even a little bit racially motivated like so much of it was coded language so much of it was like mm, finn just doesn't feel blah 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 and listen i'm a fan i came to star wars a little bit late i'm a fan of star wars not mm-hmm. nearly as much as some of these people are mm-hmm. and when i saw the black stormtrooper immediately i thought oh this is gonna be some shit and yes. it was years and years of that shit years that's still going on still to this day Listen, his contract is done and they're kind of like, and another thing. And I'm like, sit down, no one cares. Like, But that's the thing. Reasonable job. Yes, his contract <laughs> is done. So now he can give as good as he gets, you know, Listen, and they hate it. They hate they that hate this it. man is giving, not just that this man, that this black man is telling yes. them, go cry about it someplace Listen, else. And when you ask me what the turning point is, it's seeing John just say, hey, you suck your mother you suck your mother you suck your mother there is nothing hotter there is nothing hotter than this black man kind of being like let me show you how little i care about this pointless shit fuck you fuck fuck your life fuck your hopes fuck your dreams like that to me is essentially essentially that's just like pouring lust directly into my eye like I'm like, inject it, inject it. If John had finished typing that, I was like, hey, let's go. I'd be like, okay. (laughs) The shit was just hot to witness. He said, I'm done. I'm done being quiet. And that really just made me kind of sit up and be like, okay, well, what else do you feel strongly about, John? I'm ready to hear. (laughs) He's putting little uh, video that he's edited or had somebody in his crew edit this like attacking. No, I don't want to say attacking. But again, he's just kind of mocking the things that the Star Wars fans have been uh, telling him. So that, you know, for years, as soon as he took the helmet off, the Stormtrooper helmet off, and we saw this beautiful brown face. Listen, sweating like anything in that desert. Yes. (laughs) He's like, he's been getting shit. And now he's just like, I don't have to take this anymore. I don't. And I I won't. And I think it's actually a solid lesson in how many, again, not to make this too heavy, but I often think about the number of times at any job, anywhere in your life where you've been able to see a clear double standard Mm -hmm. and have had no power whatsoever to reject it, to rebuke it, to get out from underneath it. Mm -hmm. And I think John did this marvelous thing, essentially, of biting his tongue. And the minute he was able to go about and say the truth of what that means and this is the thing these kinds of interactions they take their toll like i am a fan i say this all the time i come from multiple fandoms and i feel deeply for the characters that i identify with i hope i do it in a manner that is um respectful Mm -hmm. of the actor playing these characters Mm -hmm. but essentially i understand that there is a lot of passion and when you feel uh your particular fandom is doing something wrong you want to make a point and say something about oh this means that this means that or whatever the fact is a bunch of uh star wars fans just never took to the character of finn Mm -hmm. and they never were going to Mm -hmm. and they still are never going to and all that time john just had to bite his tongue and be a good team player 
and just keep doing what he was doing and making fun and, you know, having a laugh on press tours and just trying to get through it. Because let's not forget, Star Wars is one of the hugest franchises in history right. in terms of cinema. Right. So, like, you don't want to fuck up what is essentially a great big chance. Like, I don't th- I think he could stop working if he wanted to mm-hmm. forever mm-hmm. and just live off the proceeds of this. Obviously, that's not why you get into art, etc. My right. point is, he had opportunities from this movie that you definitely don't want to fuck up, right? Mm-hmm. And people tested that shit every single day for years. Every day. Even though his character, Finn, is basically a police officer that realizes what I'm doing is fucked up. Let right. me uh, quit this shit and go find my true purpose in life. I, there, there's a calling out there for me. Let me right. go find it. Right. For whatever reason... Once he started talking about uh, things like Black Lives Matter, uh, police brutality, racism, colonialism, Mm -hmm. the fans were just like, no, don't talk. You shouldn't be political. Right. It's that shut up and dribble. Yeah. And it's just kind of like, what do you... First of all, have you fundamentally misunderstood what the Star Wars mythos is? Like, fundamentally, do you understand this thing that you claim to be a fan of do you know what it's about so why on earth would you expect the actors portraying characters in this universe to kind of be like well you know i'm not really political but anyway i'll have to play my stormtrooper bye like how does that work it's it's a very weird sort of expectation and it's a larger expectation when you're black when you're a woman when you're a person of color mm-hmm. like there are all these things that come with and john i i thought personally did that shit so gracefully like he handled it like, you know, even when it felt like, huh, this character feels underwritten and marginalized even mm-hmm. within this universe. Mm-hmm. This shit is weird. Mm-hmm. John just powered through like, OK, well, and he would come up with jokes and would say, you know, like the press tours were a joy yeah. to watch because, yeah. you know, the his chemistry with uh, Oscar Isaac was fantastic. And, you know, I love those behind the scenes photos. I mean, you know, videos of them just goofing around. on Yes. Set. <laughs> Lovely stuff. Like he was clearly having fun. Yeah. And like he and Daisy, like clearly very good friends and like, you know. I loved all of that stuff. And it's remarkable to me that you watch that movie, you know the actor who's playing this character, all of that stuff, and your takeaway is, shut up and act. Mm -hmm. I just, it betrays a fundamental incuriosity about the world and a wild disrespect on top of that. And of course, at the base of all of this, lol, it's racism. Yeah, you know, all these people trying to tell him... um you know, Finn and Ray should not be together. They weren't supposed to be together or all this kind of stuff from the script. And he's like, uh, do you have the script? Do you, did, did you talk to <laughs> George a Nigerian Lucas? device, by the way. Ask a question with a question. Oh, I'm sorry. Do you, do you have the script? <laughs> I mean, like they're telling him all the behind the scenes stuff and they don't know anything other than what they're piecing together through some tweets or something, you right. know? Um, so or that's just, so-called fan sources. Right. Like, Sit down. Right. But I just really... I love that he's just like, no, you're not going to keep talking to me any kind of way, you know, mm-hmm. and that he mm-hmm. is willing for a black actor, a young black actor to right. be able to tell people that to say, you can't talk to me like I'm shit. That's right. um, that's really important. It's something because for like you yeah. said, we too often we have to just kind of sit on those things, sit on those feelings and those comebacks because we're like, I can't rock the boat. I can't lose this bag. I can't lose this job. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. he was just like, 
no, my integrity is worth more than whatever Star Wars paycheck could be coming my way. Right. And I think he also did it to be very clear. You know, he also was able to do that on the back of so many other actors, Mm -hmm. black actors, Mm -hmm. historically, who had either bitten their tongues until they couldn't any longer or, you know, were forced to say something. But I, I will say that he is getting to essentially step on the shoulders of giants because many a black woman has said something mm-hmm. and it's been terrible to the point of them essentially being disappeared from their own career mm-hmm. and he gets to kind of come in on a tradition of people saying something and i'm proud of him for taking that baton and just running with it because it's essential work and it's costly work yes and i think you know that he was prepared to take the potential hit mm-hmm. of the cost of it mm-hmm. is yes very hot for my personal f- feelings but also it's kind of like the work of several other people ahead of him as well that he's able to kind of take advantage of and in fact that kind of neatly dovetailed to the recent moment where he spoke at a black lives matter um protest mm-hmm. in london mm-hmm. um and he's wearing like all black and it's um it's incredibly um it's an incredibly moving bit of uh, video. I haven't watched all of it because I'm trying to kind of channel my energies <laughs> right, where I can. But in it, there are, you know, there was a bunch of like stills photos of him, like clearly with tears running down his face. Mm-hmm. And the bit that I've seen over and over is the bit at the beginning of the clip where he's holding the megaphone and he says, black lives have always mattered. We've always meant something. And I don't know, like, Maybe it was after a week of having seen image after image of people giving rousing speeches and blah, blah, blah. But that really kind of set me off. That line of black people, we've always mattered. Yeah. I just thought, oh, my God, John. Yes, we have. You're right. (laughs) And then he said that line in there where he was like, I don't know if this is going to basically like fuck up my money. But fuck that. Like, I don't know what this is going to do. Yeah. He's like, I don't know if this is going to ruin my career. Um, Right. Right, right. But, you know, he knows that he has to say something. And it's it's particularly striking when we see so many other celebrities, non-black celebrities, who are, um, you know, they're doing the very least that they can in order Listen. to show support. Listen. Uh, or not. We see, uh, we, we see you all quote tweeting where you could say something. Yeah. Although, on the other hand, I will say, if you said something and it was terrible, that would be just as bad. Right, right. (laughs) Leave it to the experts, I hear you. There is a fine line, you know, where your silence can be misconstrued. You may be thinking you're leaving room for other voices, but for some other people, it looks like you're, you know trying to stay neutral, which is still a side. That's still a Right, it's still a side. Right. But yes, so for John um, to know that his he's putting his career on the line and he's still moving forward with that, you know, but there are a lot of other people, like you said, like a lot of other people who have come before him who did the same work. Um, it's just really striking to see that in comparison to, uh, especially the rest of, you know, his star Wars cast mates. Right. Who I haven't really seen too many of them say anything. I haven't either. I don't know what they're doing privately, but publicly right. I haven't seen a bunch of uh, people taking a right. know, whatever. And I felt so bad because I sent you one of those pictures of John Boyega from from the protest, <laughs> and yes, I you did. and I said something inappropriate, which I am not going to share. <laughs> I'm not going to share on the record. It is inscripted in chat someplace. Exactly. Else. But um. 
Yeah, that was a, a great moment for me and, <laughs> and my relationship <laughs> to John. <laughs> wow, wow. You sent that to me. I, I believe I sent back a an emoji response. I don't... I, the listener can guess what that emoji uh, face was doing. But yeah, I feel like there is something to be said for, um, I guess, the power of somebody having conviction. Mm-hmm. And saying something that needs to be said and mm-hmm. saying so clearly and concisely and unambiguously mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. is both thrilling in terms of social justice mm-hmm. and what that means for, you know, populations, but also thrilling privately uh, inside people's pants. And I think <laughs> John really towed the line where I was kind of like, huh, this is helping to awaken someone politically somewhere. It's also awakening uh, signal drops. But yes, there was... <laughs> There was a feeling when I saw that, I was like, oh, I see. Okay. Oh, so mm-hmm. you're a leader leader. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yes. And you know, he was, he was crying and... Listen, a man crying, the bar is so low, it's but so I was like, low. oh my God, feelings. <laughs> he has feelings and he's expressing them. Oh my God. And you know, haters will say it's fake. You know, he's an actor. Fine. Whatever. But nah, that looked real to me. Um, it looked real to me. Like he, the emotion in his voice, he's choked up. Yeah. And he's going like a little bit hoarse. And he has to like pause every so often to collect himself. I listen, no shade to John. He's not that good of an actor. <laughs> Come on now. That was feelings. That came out. Love you, John. Love you. <laughs> listen, I want to talk about his red carpet style. So a few episodes back, several episodes back, actually, we had a wonderful guest, Drea Donna, in the studio. Uh, and she spoke about Stefan James, mm-hmm. um, who also wears a fine line in multicolored, absolutely gorgeous suits. Mm-hmm. Has a similar thing going on with the shoulders where you're like, mm, wear that suit, fam. Mm-hmm. Wear it. Mm-hmm. And he does a fine line also in jewel tones. Yeah. Which, as we know, is catnip to dark skin, especially a dark skin man. <laughs> mm-hmm. And John also has quite the track record of yeah. putting on either something in a jewel tone mm-hmm. or an accessory that really takes it to the next level. Like he'll slip on a pair of loafers and I'm like, bitch, yes. <laughs> I also want to be the velvet on that loafer. What? <laughs> like he is so smooth with it. I love I love watching him wear clothes and stand around and be like, yeah, take a photo. Take a photo. You're going to need a photo. It's not enough to see me. You want to remember this. <laughs> he put out a video of him riding horseback. I can't remember the context. Do you remember that? Where he's on a horse? Yes, it was for an ad. I believe it was for Joe Malone uh, fragrances. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. that's it. Where he's wearing the billowing shirt. Yes. Bitch. And just thigh meat on the horse you know what between him and winston duke on the horse i just just put all the black men on horses just put them all on horses i'm proposing another remake of much ado about nothing swap out denzel for for john yeah take out keanu and put in fucking winston duke like i want everybody on horses i want everybody in flesh-toned uh breeches (laughs) like I want everybody to just, I want a slow-mo action shot of somebody galloping towards, yes. like, I know what I like, fam, and it's men on horses, and if it's like, like you said, the thigh meat. Like, I was looking, and I was like, John, so 
what have you gained by making this? Because and he knew. Oh, he, he was knew. out there. Yes. Listen, he said that's right. And then the shirt was like unbuttoned a little bit down the front. And I was like, look at this black Mr. Darcy. Look at this black Mr. Darcy. Yes. <laughs> I love that. And then he did another video where he's writing a letter with a quill. Yes. And yes. again, like he's so much fun and he's so like for all of his seriousness, when he's being serious, he's so playful. And I yes. respond to that. Like someone who is just like silly and like clearly understands what a joke is mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and how to make a joke mm-hmm. and get, I just appreciate that. And in fact, you know, to go down a certain road, you know, at one point he made a joke that again, the star Wars fans were not happy with. Mm, where he mm-hmm. joked about the Ray character and his character and the uh, <laughs> Adam Driver character. Yeah. <laughs> and was talking about, you know, potential plumbing works, a.k.a. laying up the pipe. And <laughs> listen, when I heard that joke, I, I thought it was a joke and I laughed. And then there was yes. all these conversations about how actually it was misogynistic and blah, blah, blah. And I think, you know what? There are many ways to read something. Jokes are by their very nature um, subjective. Mm-hmm. I laughed. Mm-hmm. I believe, uh, I think I'm not sure. I think Daisy also laughed. Um, but again, you have to kind of investigate or at least interrogate the source of the alleged ire. And again, I'm not saying that it couldn't have been read as a misogynistic joke. Obviously, I'm not the arbiter of jokes, right. but I laughed. And I thought it was a. I thought it was a clear case of somebody making a joke off the cuff. Yeah, and it was also him poking fun at um, how sacred, th- you know, certain fans treat Ray um, yes. and, uh, you know, white womanhood. But we don't Listen, have time to go into that today. We don't have time to. <laughs> mate, <laughs> it's best not to. But I, but, I, but I feel like there is something about John that understands that does a very subtle kind of like poking at it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then withdraws like you come to your own conclusions fam but i said what i said and mm-hmm. i appreciate that i feel like yeah you're right this is a conversation that we can't get into right now but like ray as a sort of bastion of white womanhood mm-hmm. is definitely part of the thing that informs how many of the fans reacted to any potential you know relationship between her and finn even platonic right let alone romantic right so I feel like that joke to me was also a sort of thing of just kind of like, eh, whatever. Yes. And kind of move on with that. But again, who am I to say that? Maybe it's because I fancy John. Who knows? (laughs) (laughs) I'm really interested to see what he does um, next. I'm already invested and I would be even more invested if it was John because, yeah. And again, I can't I can't get over it. I never expected to be doing this episode, Nicole, because I <laughs> did not think there would come a time where I would fancy John Boyega. Mm-hmm. But like, like everything else, 2020 has been a year of surprises. <laughs> okay. Nicole, so we've had a little chit chat about John Boyega mm-hmm. um, and how, for me in particular, it's been an unexpected fancy, um, and also how I'm drawn to you know his Yorubaness, his inherent Nigerianness. Like the Yoruba in me sees the Yoruba in him <laughs> and wants to build a kingdom. You know what I mean? Yes. Like old school shit. Yes. Um, <laughs> So when I was writing this week's Drabble, I thought to myself, well, what can I, what is it that I'm trying to kind of focus on? And I think John provided it himself when he wrote a tweet recently about, you know, how black women 
praying for him is like a thing and i just thought mm, it's cheesy sure is it edging hotepery why not but there's something intrinsically true about someone who sees and knows the people who have his back that i find very very hot again the bar is where nicole inhale appreciate that appreciate that thank you okay so with that in mind this is my travel for john boyega it's um again of course in the home sphere not least because that's where i've been for the last 900 days okay here we go i'm ready i'd spent the morning and early afternoon in the backyard in what john called my farmer's get up also known as cut and dungarees and one of his sleeveless jerseys i'd been pulling up weeds pruning, tending to our small kitchen garden. I'd also been taking short naps in the hammock John had installed only a few weeks back. Now, hours later and rejuvenated by a hot shower, I was wearing my favourite linen dress, ready to order takeout for dinner. But then I followed my nose to the living room and was met by a glorious sight. So this is what he's been doing all day, I mused as I ventured further into the room. I could hear the laughter in his voice when I heard John say behind me, Yup. He'd moved the coffee table, and in its place were three or four throw blankets, arranged so the fringed edges crisscrossed artfully. Two velvet floor pillows, usually a part of a stack in the corner of the room, occupied twin spots, side by side. He'd moved the taller houseplants, so they framed the scene in a horseshoe. I turned around to look at John, but he was already moving. I could tell by his walk that he was proud of himself, delighted to have surprised me. I got all your faves, he said, his voice husky as he gestured at the spread. He wasn't wrong. Fried plantains, cubed and gleaming. A small mound of fried rice. A silver bowl of snails sitting in a shiny pepper sauce. You've been working so hard, he continued, and I wanted to do something nice for you. I looked at him then, his eyes bright with the achievement of making me happy. I felt an overwhelming rush of affection that made my eyes suddenly wet. In an instant, John was in front of me, his hands cupping my face gently, eyes worried. Too much? he asked, thumb swiping at my cheeks. No, I replied through my smile. Exactly right. <laughs> Are you wiping your eyes? What the hell? <sighs> I like a little, you know, the little Goldilocks, this is just right kind just of. Just right. You know, I like That's that. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate that. I wasn't even thinking of Goldilocks, but I guess, yeah, that's exactly correct. Yeah, thanks, Nicole. Thanks for seeing. See, Nicole is such a professor. She's like, mm, I love the influences here. Classic fairy tale. I love it. Thanks, coach. Uh, I really like that one. I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad to hear you say that. I, I, I really and truly, especially in these times, I really do live to delight you. So Aww. if you were delighted, then half my work is done. But I'm excited to see what you're going to cook up because I feel like it's going to be a departure from that. What I whatever it is I just did. I feel like you're going to do something now. And I am low key stressed, but also incredibly excited to hear what's going to what's going to happen next. Oh, boy. Uh, there's so much pressure. Um... No, no, no. It's not pressure. It's encouragement. I love you like John Boyega loves black women. <laughs> OK, well, I'm just going to um, I'm just going to get into it and all i will say um to preface this is you know seeing him out in the streets um <laughs> you make him sound like an alley cat 
you know, I just mean, you know, seeing him with his uh, megaphone, uh-huh. you know, that was uh, very moving for me. Um, was it moving, you want to say? Yes. Okay. Yes. Just okay. check in. Just so- check in. <laughs> Don't get all sharp with me. I was asking a question. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> you should have let me come with you, I say softly as I reach for him. John drops his keys and megaphone on the hallway table, then holds his hand up to ward me away. Wait, babe, he tells me, his shoulders rounded with weariness in a way I've never seen before. I should take off these clothes and shower before you touch me. I understand, but it stings a bit. He sees my hurt and wraps careful fingers around my wrist. His eyes are swollen from crying and all the tears he's yet to release. His voice is tender as he tells me to let him take care of me first. I don't want to expose you to anything any more than necessary. Let me shower, then you can fuss all over me like I like, yeah? He sends me a wink, and I can't help but smile. I curl up on the couch and doze a bit while he's in the bathroom. Now that he's home, I feel safe enough to close my eyes. Then he quietly joins me, settles his head in my lap, his hair still damp, and sighs. John uncurls his fist and opens his palm against my knee. I begin to resettle his twists and his voice cracks when he first tries to talk. I needed you to stay home, he says, and I feel a hot tear on my leg. I needed you to stay home in case something happened and you had to call my parents. I needed, I needed to know you were safe. He squeezes my knee lightly. I stay silent and he tells me what he saw. He tells me the fear of his career ending can't compare to the fear of nothing changing. I keep my fingers busy in his hair, and when he finally sighs the breath of the unburdened, I begin to massage his scalp, letting the soft pads of my fingers tell him he's safe now. We're safe now. Bitch, you better write me my activist rom-com right now. Nicole? Yes. Nicole Perkins? Yes. I am disgusted with you. You know, there's going to be all kinds of quarantine, revolutionary, Black Lives Matters love stories happening. Uh I feel uh like, you know, I could do that and I could do it well. You could, listen, Will Packer, if you are listening, (laughs) I know you're out there producing movies and whatnot. (laughs) Sir, good sir. There is at least an original article that literally just got read that Nicole herself can adapt. <laughs> if there's any producer listening and someone's kind of like, well, dang. <laughs> and we don't have to call him John Boyega. We can call him, I don't know, Sam Adekunle, whatever. <laughs> but I am very, very ready to watch that movie. I needed you to be safe, bitch. What? What? <laughs> <laughs> You know, I just wanted um, to see that love for black women that he talks about. I needed to mm-hmm. see that, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and so mm-hmm. I, I built it. So you it. wrote it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And if you build it, Nicole, they will come. <laughs> <laughs> we are 12 years old. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I feel alive right now. <laughs> <sighs> 
<sighs> you know, not to toot our own horn, toot toot, but um, we just did that with these drabbles. I'm just saying. I am just saying. Nicole, wow, what a what an honor to share space with you uh, this week. What a drabble. I You've mean, done some real doozies, but this one really, like I'm sweating. My, oh. my armpits are very damp, and it's not because I'm in a hot closet. It's because I felt some real feelings. I mean, you know, John Boyega, what a muse. What a muse. <laughs> what a muse, what a muse. Oh, wow. Okay, well, listeners, listen. I personally know who I'm voting for, and it's not me. So you feel free to vote how your heart moves you. But um, we're going to give you a day to let this settle on your spirit. And then on Friday, we will post a poll on our Twitter, which is at Thirst Aid Kit. And uh, yeah, you can pick which of your fave Johns. Is it the John who uh, prepares a feast in the living room or the John who cries tenderly hot tears in your lap after attending a protest? Um, The choice is yours. (laughs) So, wow, I'm off to uh, I'm off to, I don't know, sob a little bit, rock a little bit. Um, I think about John Boyega. Wow, Nicole, I am I'm shaken. Wow. (laughs) Bless you. Thank you. First Aid Kit is a Slate production produced by Cher Vincent and us, Bim Adewunmi and Nicole Perkins. Our music is by Tanya Morgan. You can follow the show on Twitter at Thirst Aid Kit. Plus, we're on Tumblr at thirstaidkitpodcast.tumblr.com. You can send us questions there and we might even answer. If you'd like to live tweet your listen, please use the hashtag T-A-K-P-O-D, that's TACPOD, and feel free to send us emails about how much you love us to thirstaidkit at slate.com. You can also make use of our Thirst Sommelier service. Just send us a short, and we mean shorts, that's less than a minute, voice note via email. Once again, that address is thirstaykit at slate.com. We'll be back again next week. In the meantime, be sure to keep wearing your masks and stay safe. Bye. Bye.